NPR. The economy has been on this kind of blindfolded rocket ship roller coaster ride over the last couple of weeks. We've seen things go up and down. We're not even sure which way is up. And so what we have for you is an Indicators of the Week where we talk all about what's happening with inflation, what's happening with house buying, and what's happening with unemployment. This is the Indicator from Planet Money. I'm Darian Woods, here with Sarah Gonzalez, all the way from Planet Money. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Hi, 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 hi. And Adrian Ma from The Indicator. Welcome. What's up? So those topics, all after the break. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Babson College. The world needs entrepreneurial leaders, and you can become one at Babson College. Gain the skills to lead, motivate, and inspire through a specialized master's or MBA program with full-time, part-time, and online options. Turn ideas into action with a graduate program that caters to your professional needs and fits your lifestyle. Ranked number one in entrepreneurship by U.S. News and World Report. Apply now at babson.edu slash gradprograms. This advertisement comes from our paid sponsor, Fundrise. High interest rates mean that real estate assets are available at a discount compared to previous valuations. The Fundrise flagship fund plans to expand its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. Add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio at fundrise.com slash indicator. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the fund before investing. Read the prospectus at fundrise.com slash flagship. Indicators of the Week, Adrian Ma, what do you have? I have for you the Producer Price Index. You could call it the lesser-known sibling of the Consumer Price Index. You know, kind of like Solange is to Beyonce. I feel like Solange is more known than the producer price index, though. This seems like an unfair comparison. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, Solange is much cooler than the producer price index. But this is kind of saying that the producer price index is like the cool younger sibling to the consumer price index. So both of these, the CPI and the PPI, are key measures of inflation. But while the consumer price index measures changes in the cost of living and consumption, the producer price index looks at the cost of producing and selling. So one really simple way to think about it is to picture a can of soda. With the Consumer Price Index, it's interested in how much do consumers pay at the cash register of their local corner store for that soda. The Producer Price Index, meanwhile, is interested in how much manufacturers are paying for sugar and aluminum to make that can of soda. But with that definition settled up, here's my indicator of the week. The Producer Price Index decreased by half a percent last month. Negative 0.5%. That is my indicator. Finally. I've been waiting for this moment. (laughs) For dramatic emphasis, here is uh, CNBC's Rick Santelli describing the latest PPI number on TV earlier this week. One-tenth. Buckle up. Down half a one percent. Down five-tenths of a percent. That is a huge drop. You have to go way back. <laughs> right. So I guess you figure out how big it is by just counting the number of U's and that huge. How big was that drop? That is a huge drop. <laughs> the, the reason Rick Santelli is wearing out this vowel, the reason why the PPI news is important this week is because it's another data point that shows inflation's continuing to moderate, right? The PPI number coming down means producers' costs have come down. 
And this news follows the latest CPI numbers earlier this week, which showed that consumer prices were pretty flat month to month. So meanwhile, the Fed, the all-seeing eye of the economy, is watching these numbers, trying to decide whether to raise interest rates again to continue its fight against inflation. And what these numbers suggest is maybe it might not have to do that. And that would be good news. All right. And Darian, you apparently have an indicator that is maybe less good news than Adrian's. Yes, every rose has its thorn, sad to say. Uh, my indicator is two years, which is how long it's been since unemployment claims have been this high. We've got 1.9 million people at the moment receiving unemployment benefits, and that's larger than Phoenix, Arizona. Mm. Dang. I mean, this is like an interesting indicator, right? Because we've been talking on the show a lot about how the jobs market has actually been surprisingly resilient. Yeah, and to put this number into perspective... This is not historically catastrophic, this number. It was around that level in 2017. Painful for anybody unemployed, obviously. But in terms of the wider economy, we've got to keep that into perspective. Not catastrophic is a superlative (laughs) in Darien's thesaurus. (laughs) Yeah, this is the good news I bring, not a catastrophe. I'm thinking maybe the metaphor is an up-tempo dance track, which has been kind of the vibe for the last couple of years. We've been dancing through the pain of inflation and high interest rates. Unemployment's been pretty low. But since fall, there's been this minor note that's been playing in the background, and, and it's getting louder and louder. The trend is getting worse. So then I guess we are not in the hot jobs market that we've been uh, feeling like we were in. I mean, last month, there were just like so many jobs created. So there seems to be a little bit of a disconnect here. Yeah, so it's true that there have been a a lot of people starting new jobs. But this unemployment number, which came out this week, is weekly. And the numbers can move around a lot, especially as we're coming into the holiday season. But if this trend persists, we will start to see this in the monthly jobs report too. I mean, this would also be another thing that the Fed is probably thinking about when it's deciding whether or not it should be raising interest rates again, because increased interest rates, if it slows the economy, could actually increase unemployment. That's right. And historically, unemployment doesn't just go up a little and then inflation goes away and the Fed just claps its hands and says, we're done here. Everyone goes back to a happy economy. No. What often happens is that unemployment rises by, say, a percent or two, and then this can cascade into something bigger. Well, I guess until then, I will keep my ears tuned for those minor chords on the dance floor that you speak of, Darian. (laughs) Economics at the party. It's always a winner. All right, Darian. Last up but not least, saving the best for last, Sarah Gonzalez. (laughs) What's your indicator? Okay, so my indicator is another trend, not like a dad gene trend. It's like a grandpa gene trend, uh-huh. right? I that's that's the spirit. Okay, <laughs> so my indicator <laughs> is 58 years old. That is the median age for repeat home buyers in the U.S. right now. So a person who like already bought their first home and has now moved on to buying their second home or their third home. We're talking about repeat buyers. Now, uh, okay. at first, I was like, this seems like, normal, right? Like 58 years old, you're older, you have more money, you can upgrade to a bigger house, like whatever. This seems like a totally normal thing. Uh, But for context here, in 1981, the median age of repeat homebuyers was 36 years old. So 36-year-olds, I know, (laughs) 36-year-olds in the 80s were like on to buying their second and third homes. Meanwhile, today, 36 is basically the age where you buy your first home. (laughs) 
if you're lucky. So just like, I mean, can you imagine multiple homes at mid-30s? That's, that's quite something. That's painful to hear. And I guess we're all pretty close to that 36 This is us, right? This is us. We're mid-30s. We're already multiple houses behind the, we're <laughs> the boomer so generation. Behind. Okay. We're just so behind. We're so behind. Uh, Okay, so this is according to data that came out this week from the National Association of Realtors. I chatted with the deputy chief economist and vice president of research there, Jessica Louts, and she told me that, yeah, older buyers, boomers in particular, they're just doing much better in this housing market than younger buyers. So first-time home buyers who are younger, they used to make up a bigger share, but like they just cannot compete with the older repeat buyers right now. Okay, so older buyers are taking up more of the homes just because they have more money, more savings, and because they can? I mean, yeah. uh, Jessica says they have a lot of cash and a lot of equity in the homes that they already bought, which has always been true. But what's different today that might explain this shift is that home prices are just so, so high right now. So if you already own a home and you sell it, you're going to make a lot of money off of that sale that you're going to use to then buy your next home. So actually, 53% of repeat buyers actually did use the proceeds from the sale of their home towards the down payment for their next home. Oh, so like money makes money, right? Homes beget homes. You know, the old saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. And meanwhile, younger first-time would-be home buyers are just like scrounging and saving, just trying to get enough money for a down payment. Yeah, trying. And like a quarter of first-time buyers actually got a loan from family members, from friends, or like a very generous gift, uh, apparently, uh, just to make their down payments. But again, not that young, Adrian. These are mid-30s. It's like ancient in 1980s <laughs> times. You know what I mean? <laughs> the, I guess that makes us ancient. Grandpa jeans are in our future. So that's Indicators of the Week with three numbers that hopefully elucidate what the heck is happening in the economy. This episode was produced by Corey Bridges with engineering by Ko Takasugi Chernofin. It was fact-checked by Sierra Juarez. Kate Cannon edits the show and the Indicator is a production of NPR. On Wildcard, the new podcast from NPR, you'll hear people like comedian Jenny Slate reflect on their lives. What is something you think about very differently today than you did 10 years ago? Dressing. Like, not salad dressing. I've always loved it and I'll never stop. (laughs) Dressing my body. That's all part of the new game show, Wildcard, only from NPR. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. This message comes from NPR sponsor, BetterHelp. When you're carrying around a lot of stress... Therapy is a safe space to get it off your chest. If you're considering therapy, give BetterHelp a try at betterhelp.com NPR to get 10% off your first month. This message comes from NPR sponsor Anthropic. Their Claude 3 model family is enterprise-ready AI. Haiku is fast and cost-effective. Sonnet perfectly balances skill with speed. And Opus sets new intelligence industry benchmarks. Visit Anthropic.com slash Claude.